everyone and welcome along to the latest live edition of the TII podcast. My name is Craig Dennett and I'm your host this evening as we look back on this afternoon's uh, win for Rangers 3-1 over Kilmarnock at Ibrox. I think it's safe to say it was a game of two halves. To look back over the action um, and the key talking points of the game, I'm joined by Jock. How are you doing, Jock? Not too bad, yourself? Yeah, good, thank you. And we're joined by Scott Mitchell as well. How are you doing, Scott? Yeah, not too bad, guys. Thanks again for having us. Excellent. So before we get stuck into to all the key talking points, I think it was it was safe to say the Rangers fans turned up expecting a reaction after after last week's game. And it, to be honest, it, it started off like the players wanted to give them a reaction as well. Um, but it, 3-0 up at half-time, and then it got very, very sloppy, and we'll come on to talk about a lot of a lot of that. I think there were some bright sparks in terms of Todd Cantwell in particular. I thought Antonio Cholak's performance was really encouraging as well. So we're going to talk about that. Before we get stuck into the, the finer details of the game, Jock, will come to you first. What's your overall impression of the game? Like you say, I think it was a the game of two halves. Um, job done, first half. Couldn't ask any more for anybody on the pitch, really. Um, everyone to a man sort of knew what they were doing. Stuck to the task, got the goal. The goals. Um, then second half, just just we didn't start off at all, and we, we sort of struggled to get through it. They nick a goal, things started to get a bit tense, but then we sort of picked it up again towards the sort of the end of the match. Um, I definitely think Tav's penalty just before half time was was, was pretty key there because I think if we went into the the sort of latter stages of two one. Um, I think we'd have seen the old Rangers of a couple of years ago under Gerard and 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 Gio with those um those nervy games at Ibrox where you're sitting at two one and you're just you're dreading every ball that comes into the box. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you even got to there were stages of that in the second half as well where you were just a bit. Come on again, another one. We're in for a, a dodgy final 15, 15 minutes or so. Yep. Scott, would you agree with with Jock's assessment of the game? 100%. I, I can't really say anything different. I think, like Jock was saying, it looked as if it was going to go into a, a sort of Steven Gerrard era struggle against the low block second half. Um, and I think just before Kelly got the goal, could have very easily been 3-1 already. A cracking ball played across the, the front of the defence. Um, so it was a nervy second half, but eventually, you know, once once Raskin came off, we started to you know see the game out. And I think we looked a bit more like ourselves. Um, but yeah, Great first half, absolutely shocking second half. Yeah, let's let's start with with where all, we all start with games. I think which is a starting lineup. There were four changes to the the team that started in the League Cup final. Um, unsurprisingly, I think it's fair to say the midfield three was completely changed. Um, we saw Ryan Jack, Nicholas Raskin, and Todd Cantwell come in. Um, who, when all three came on last week, appeared to be. More like ourselves in the game, and gave it gave us much more, much more of a competitive midfield than we'd seen from the three that started last week. Malik Tillman wasn't in the squad at all. I think Michael Beale said afterwards that he's trained a bit this week, but they didn't want to force it, um, and he, he will be under consideration for for the game against Hibs on Wednesday. And the only other change was uh, Antonio Cholak coming in for Alfredo Morelos, and I think Antonio Cholak's been long overdue a start and um now that he'd had a couple of weeks of training i think michael beale was keen to see to see what he could offer um jock there are a couple of interesting ones in there i think of all the people that um took some of the blame in the team for last week 
it was interesting to see that Fashion Sakawa was still starting out wide right. Um, do you think that was that was the right decision? I think outside of the midfield three, I thought it was interesting that it was only Alfredo Morelos that, that was switched out. Yeah, to be fair, I I, I kind of expected to, if Tillman was fit, Tillman would have started in Sakala's position. If not Sakala, I actually expected to see Scott Wright. Um, but Sakala started and, you know, within, I think it's I think the first couple of minutes, there's the, the diagonal ball from deep that opened up Kelly and sent Sakala on his way. And then that was sort of the theme for the rest of the day. So you, you can see why he's kept him in the squad because that was a game plan to utilise him and, and it, did, it did pay off, um, especially in the first half. Yeah, Scott, I've seen you raise your eyebrows there when, when Jock mentioned that Scott Wright might get a might get a start. I guess you're in you're in disagreement about that one. I I, I just don't I don't see it with Scott Wright. I know there's a few people that, that within the group that, that really like Scott Wright and thinks he brings something different. Um I'd rather he just didn't appear at all, if I'm honest. I think for all Sakala's faults, um and again there's a lot of critics for fashion Sakala, I just think he's he's the one player that can provide the unpredictable for our team. Um, whereas with Scott Wright, it's very, very predictable. The one moment of brilliance I've seen for Scott Wright this season was was setting up the, the roof goal um, in the League Cup semi. Um, I wouldn't have Scott Wright anywhere near the starting 11. I'm very happy when Scott Wright doesn't appear. I think starting lineup for me, pretty bang on. I think everybody was crying for Nico Raskin, but as we got on to later on, he obviously tired throughout the game and the, the change was, was a necessity for us, really. Yeah, it absolutely was. And... Uh... I think we saw from the start just how hungry the players were um, to to prove a point and to prove to the fans how hungry they were for um, to get the three points and to put on a show. Um, the first bit of action though wasn't on the pitch; it was actually in the stands. The the Union Bears unveiled a banner that said, that "After fifty five titles, you took your eye off the ball. Time for change." Scott, that very much was. Not even a, it wasn't even can't even call it a disguised um, message aimed at the board. It was very front and centre. What, what do you make of of that message? I don't think anyone at board level should be surprised that this has happened. I think the sentiment is very much correct. Um, it's very clear that there was a lack of investment post fifty five. Um, Gerard said as much himself in, in, in interviews since leaving the club. Um, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst and his department statement said he had to work under very difficult conditions, but that was obviously, you know, behind a curtain. Nobody really knew what he meant when he said that. And we're now seeing Michael Beale starting to echo the same sentiments that, that, that Gio had as well. So, aye, the board is very much, I think, culpable for our lack of success over the last while. We've tried it with a lot of different managers. I think I read a stat the other day at something like eight in the last 10 years, something silly like that, either permanent or temporary managers we've had. Ridiculous um, for a club of our size. Um, so no, I don't I don't think it is any surprise, as you say. And I think I, I, I don't know if I firmly agree with the, the whole targeting Ross Wilson in particular, um, but, you know, the rest of the board, I think, really do need to take a long, hard look at themselves. Yeah. Uh, Ian McPhee comes in here, says Union Bears' message was 100% spot on. Um, RFC kind of points more towards the banner that you kind of suggested at the end there, Scott, about the Ross Wilson and Stuart Robertson out banners. There were a couple of those I noticed around the around the stadium. Um, 
Jock, this, this isn't the first time we've seen the Union Bears unveil banners in recent weeks. There was some unveiled at Livingston. There was, again, at the, the Cup semi-final last week and then today. Do you think the message is getting through and, and do you, are you in agreement with, with the message that was shown today? I don't know if I'm in agreement with the message shown at the Livingston game. I thought that was poorly timed. Um, I thought, I think it came across as sort of mixed and I think it, some of their support, especially online, some of the support took it in different ways. And I thought before the cup final, I understand they're, you know, they're trying to remember, remind the players of the standards and stuff like that, but I didn't think it was the right time for something like that. Um, that's just my own opinion. Um, today's message, I, it was going to come from somewhere. You know, it was, it was, you know, it's been online since since Sunday uh, last week. The 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 stuff's been it's been gathering momentum, and uh, I fully expected something within the, uh, the next couple of weeks from um, from some of the supporters and particularly the Union Bears because they say they have they have quite a, a power within Ibrox. Um, we do a lot of a lot of the atmosphere in Ibrox to them, so um, the message holds weight. I think. Yeah, I think it does hold weight, and I think it was saw in the stadium, definitely around where I was sitting. There's people standing up, up on their feet, applauding, um, to show their support for the message as well. And I, I, know, I know that wasn't the only section of the stadium doing that as well. So I think it'll be interesting to see how how that develops over the coming week, the coming weeks through to the end of the season, really, because the, the fans have been very clear in what their expectations are from the board when it comes to summer, and particularly around recruitment. And it'll be interesting to see just how much the board are, are have listened or are listening to that um, in, in the coming weeks. Maybe thankfully for the board, it wasn't long until Rangers were 1-0 up. Um, it was six minutes in, Connor Goldson finding the back of the net. It was a nicely worked short corner jock. I think it was Barisic into Sakala, who laid it off for Cantwell. Cantwell had two decent-looking shots. I think they were on target. They were blocked. Cholak then had an effort saved by the keeper and the ball fell to Connor Goldson. It was the, it was the, exactly the start I think the fans wanted, exactly the start I think the players wanted, and it, um, it definitely seemed to settle everyone down a little bit. Yeah, uh, early goals always do at Ibrox because it's something we don't, we've not seen you know, consistently enough. I think Ibrox is early goals um, over the la- last couple of years. Um, so it was a good work, well worked corner caught, caught uh, Kilmarnock kind of kind of off guard, especially at the near post when he, he cut it back. Um, Cantwell, I thought, was unlucky with both efforts, especially the rebound, because the rebound, he has to sort of take it as like, almost like a half sort of, sort of scissor kick volley kind of tries. Um, and it's the same command defender that blocks the the, you know, the initial shot and then the rebounded shot. And then Cholak again hits the target, keeper makes a good save, but it just just lands to corner goes to his feet and he's not going to have a, a sort of an easier tap in than that. So um, good, good early goal to uh, sort of carry on from the early pressure we had because I say, you know, Sakala was in a, a minute or two before that with a good ball and played in played in behind. So it, it showed their sort of intent straight from the start. Yeah, absolutely did. Scott, I think when you, you look at the fixture list and you look at the, the next coming game and you see it's a, a Derek McInnes Kilmarnock side coming to Ibrooks, everyone expects a, a stuffy game, one that's hard to break, break them down and Actually, one of the first notes I've got is we've looked hungry from the start, trying to move the ball quickly and get it back in play quickly. I thought that was very noticeable. I think at times 
a lot of times this season we've been slow in, in that area and just taking our time trying to build up and it allows the opposition to get back into into their shape today that was that wasn't the case at all and we were on the front foot from from the off I thought that was really positive to see and then like Jock said the early goal just helps to settle the nerves a little bit 100% mate yeah again so I think the players showed that they had a point to prove today um, especially the ones that that did start in the in the League Cup final. Um, I'll give myself a slap in the back for mentioning that game first, sorry. Um, in terms of how we played against a Derek McInnes team, absolutely, it was the right way to go about it. We had to start fast, don't let them settle, keep moving them out of position. I think I mentioned very early on the, in the game, it was very evident how high we were willing to press. Um, a lot of occasions you saw Dodge drop back deeper than the Kelly defence. Connor Golson's right up his backside. Same with Barisic. Um, with the boy, I think Armstrong, I think it was Banish, it was up against, tracking them all over the pitch. It was very evident that they were thinking, turn this ball over, get it up the pitch, and then get some goals. And it worked really, really well for us. As you say, we normally struggle against a Derek McInnes squad, that low block that it was often lamented under Gerard and now under Beal as well. You're starting to see teams hit us with it again as opposed to come and have a go at us. So that's the way we need to play. We need to be in the front foot, we need to play with impetus, and it worked. So why do we not just do it every single time? Yeah, I think that is, that's always what's in the, in the mind of fans, isn't it? If, it? if it works once, why not just keep doing the thing that works, but never seems to quite work out that way. Um, Jock, the next three or four notes I think I have are are all fashion Sakala related, and I flashed up the comment a wee bit earlier there, um, a little earlier on, but Aldo McNaught says, bar Sakala's goal for me, <laughs> he was the weakest link today. Um, and Nicholas Moore says, Sakala is not good enough. Let's look at some of the key moments that Sakala kind of had in the game. Got 15 minutes, Ben Davies with a lovely ball over the top. Sakala takes it down and sees his shot saved by the keeper. It was cleared by a defender. I thought actually Sakala there did everything that, that he could other than find the back of the net. Um, again, I've got 17 minutes, nice build-up play. Cholak, first time way off to Kent. Pinpoint cross in and Sakala slides it wide from five yards out. I thought that was an absolute, an absolute sitter. And then not long after that, I think six or seven minutes after that, Fashion Sakala finally does find the back of the net in the 25th minute. Um, one ball over the top by Cantwell. Fell to Cholak, who, who laid it off for Sakala to finish into the, the bottom corner. I think those 10 minutes pretty much sum up everything you see from, from Fashion Sakala week to week. But he's always, he is always, for all that he's, we, we do lament his lack of quality or should we say consistency and quality in the final third he is always in and about the the action isn't he i think it's just his composure he gets in the positions and we need to use his speed because he's, he's a flying machine and those balls in behind um cause chaos and get him into good positions like you say the first chance he had you know he takes the ball down he does everything right hits the target you know he's he's done the right thing he's went across the goalkeeper because um, the good keeper could spill that anywhere and it could somebody else falls up for a tap-in. Um, then you get the other side of it where I thought there was a lot of times where he was in good positions or he was taking, when we were bursting forward and he, he was making the wrong decisions, he was playing the poor pass or he was tying too much, which which is a common thing with Sakala. He tries too much. He beats the first man, beats the second man, and then he runs into a third man or he runs into a corridor where there's, they've ganged up on him because he hasn't released the ball quick enough. Um so again, it's it's, it's the I, I just call him the enigma because you just don't know what you're going to get from game to game. Um, today, I thought, yeah, 
he, he maybe did kill off a couple of our moves by taking the ball off somebody else or taking, the, you know, receiving the pass and then not picking the next pass. Um, I, I did find that frustrating from him today. But um, his goal, you know, deep ball in from Cantwell from deep's great ball caused the chaos and come out of defence. We got a wee bit lucky with the deflection that it sort of landed back towards Cholak and he's rolled it off and he's he's, he's tucked it away. And then I see the, the ball across the what we're not talking about, the, the chance that's flashed across the box. Uh Cholak's layoff to Kent is fantastic because Kent's on the on, he's got the afterburners on, he's running in and Cholak just laid that off into his path and he's right in behind him, opens up the space and, and he has to score that one. I don't know how he's it's easier to miss, I think, or easier to score than it is to miss because he's turned it around to the far post. He's got the entire net to hit. And he seems to have put it around the, the opposite side. So, yeah, Sakala, I, I say I just keep referring to him as the enigma because you just don't yeah. know what you're going to get. I think, and I think that's a very fair point made about Antonio Cholak. And I'm keen to speak about him a bit later on about his overall influence in the game and what he had to offer us. Some more comments here, Scott. Um, Cubby Cubstuff, Sakala equals frustration. Um, Aldo RFC says, Love we Sakala, but unfortunately, his nature is not football. Caroline Sakala, it's too predictable. Ian McPhee, Sakala, unfortunately, it's too predictable, but end product, not good enough. Like I said to, to Jock, I think that 10-minute spell where he had a shot on target, he missed a sitter and then scored a goal, we're kind of, it's kind of symptomatic of what we get from Fashion Sakala week on week. 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing, right, because... Predictable is the one word I would not use to describe Fashion Sakala. Um, Fashion Sakala is not a predictable player. Fashion Sakala doesn't know what he's about to do, never mind be predictable for a defender. Um, he's he's a one-trick pony, though, would probably be the thing. He's just speed personified. Get him in behind, get him running at, at teams, and he'll just cause a, a wee bit of chaos there. Final ball, it's either going to be brilliant or it's going to be absolutely awful. There's no one between with him. And we saw with, with his shooting... He'll either send it over the stand in the Copeland or he'll fire it into the back of the net like he did against Dundee United. Um, he was he was off the boil today, um, but we've saw him at his best. And do you know something? See if he plays and we manage to bottle at least some of his best performance, especially the one against Celtic at, at Ibrox. We'll have a cracking player on our hands. I still think there's more to come for Fashion Sakala. I think he's going to get better and better as, as the seasons go on. Hopefully he's still here next season to prove a point. Um, but if the alternative, going back again to the, the previous points, if the alternatives, alternative is Scott Wright, then there's there's no question for me, unfortunately. It has to be fashion Sakala every day. And there we go, RFC 72 has just took the words right out of my mouth. Sakala is much better than Scott Wright. Yeah, Scott, I think we've been speaking a lot, and over, especially over the past week, about what the squad for next season might look like and, and who are the players that would keep I out. Going by what you're saying there, and I, I think I, I would agree with the sentiment of it, and that I would probably keep Fashion Sakala around the squad, and I would keep him as that player that comes off the bench because I think his pace can be a difference maker, and it is something that's that is completely different to anything that any of our other players really offer us. Hundred um, percent. If we had Fashion Sakala with the football and ability of, say, a Ryan Kent. He wouldn't be playing at Rangers. You know, we're not going to have the finished article here, unfortunately. We need to take the good with the bad with some of these players. Um, and I think that's just a point we're probably going to need to accept. We're going to have these players that do this very well, but not that very well. 
and that's unfortunately the league that we're fighting in right now. We're not going to have the finished article, unfortunately. I think people need to temper their expectations. This isn't 1990s Rangers anymore, unfortunately. It's not even 2000 Rangers. It's, it's a new era. The game's changed. The best players go to the Premier League or they go to one of the other top five leagues. Um, they're not here, unfortunately. So Fashion Zakala, I'm not saying he's as good as it gets, but you know, I, I think he's a very, very able player for the SPL, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think so, and I think um, I do expect to see him as part of the as part of the squad next season. Um, I've got a note here saying uh, referee showing real leniency to Kilmarnock, not showing a yellow card. Several fouls by Power and Ash Taylor in first uh, first half an hour. Just warnings given by Colum. Um, I always worry about talking about about referees, especially when we've we've lost the game or whatever. But this is a game that that we won pretty comfortably, so. Just flagging up the fact that I did feel that Willie Collum was letting the opposition off with a with quite a with quite a significant fouls, um, and they were it was the same players consistently as well that we are making the fouls. But Jock, I wanted to come back to your point on Antonio Cholak. Um, I thought he played really well today. I thought he looked really hungry. Um, his hold up play was was really good. Everything was sticking at his feet. Um, he was he was then finding a, a blue jersey um, pretty much every single time when, when he did hold the ball up, um, accurate passing, and he, he looked like he was absolutely desperate for a goal. But I think that's that's exactly the Antonio Cholak that we were seeing at the start of the season, and, and I, I don't I don't think we've seen it for quite a few months. Obviously, he was out injured injured for 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 some of that time, but he did look more back to the Antonio Cholak that. That we have that we did see for the first nine ten games or so. Yeah, um, it was it was good to see him put in a performance like that. Um, you can't ask anything more. Like you see, you've pretty much covered everything there. He did, he did everything you want from your hold up striker. You know, he linked up play, he dropped deep, he played one twos. Um, he was he was he was good good at sort of bullying the command at defence and, and helping us uh, push further up the park. Um, it, you know, he was unlucky with the chance that, he, that um, the Goldson scored from. He did have a couple of chances himself. You know, made worked the goalkeeper in, in the second half. Uh, I think it was like a header. I think he had. Um, there was one moment in the in the first half where he got the ball came into his feet and he just absolutely sent the defender to the shops. Um, and we were unlucky to get a goal from that. So you know, it was encouraging performance from him because, like you say, he's, he's he's been off the boil a while because you know. He, he got the injury, and then Alfredo, you know Alfredo's been there and kind of cemented that slot himself because he was scoring sort of you know consistently week in week out. So it was always going to be hard to shift shift Alfredo, and then you're only getting ten minutes here and there. I, I think it starts that what he needed, and that this was the ideal game for him. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting actually when it comes to picking the starting lineup for for Easter Road on on Wednesday to see what way Michael Beal goes because ideally you would give Antonio Cholak a run in the a run in the team but Alfredo Morelos off the bench isn't the most impactful player I've ever seen so um it'll be interesting to see what way he goes with that one. Um Scott not much happened for about 10-15 minutes or so and then around the 40 minute mark uh, James Tavernier played a ball over the top, played Ryan Kent through on goal. There was huge shouts for handball from it from the Brimwon uh, stand I think it's not often you see that many people in the one stand claiming handball, but that that kind of suggested to me there was something potentially in it. But the um, the referee waved play on. The penalty wasn't given. 
I've then got another two notes after that before the referee stops play for for VAR. I think it was two and a half, three minutes before um, the ball went out of play, which I do understand that the referees are supposed to wait for the ball to go out of play. But I think I've seen in some games that might just be one of the rules they have in England or whatever, but I've seen in some games where actually the referees stopped play while the ball's been in, in, on the park because what happens if Kilmarnock go up the end and score and all that sort of stuff comes into it and they, they stop the game because there's a bar check ongoing. It was a really strange kind of situation. It was up the other end of the park from where I, I sit at Ibrox. Um, I sit more towards the, the Copeland side of the club deck, but was it a penalty uh, for starters? And are you surprised at how long it took? Um, was it a penalty? Um, if you listen to Kilmarnock TV, no. Um, they were saying absolutely not. It's never a penalty. It's hit the top of his shoulder. It's hit his chest. He's handballed it at the end of the day. You know, he's, he's reached his arm out, as you do, and the ball smacked him right in the bicep. Um, and the boy, even when the penalty is given, the camera pans to the boy. I'm watching it. Um, obviously, I'm not in the UK, so I'm able to watch it um, on, on Rangers TV, thankfully. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm thinking, there's no way this can't be a penalty. It's a stonewaller. At the end of the day, the ball... Might not have went to Ryan Kent, but the guy stopped the ball from going to Ryan Kent or potentially drifting through to Cholak at the end of it. So it's a stonewall penalty. How long it takes was a, is an interesting one because, like you say, anything could happen. And and I think it was around two or three minutes. Anything could happen that time between uh, the penalty, which should have been awarded, and then it actually being awarded. Um, I believe, and I'm not an expert on this, I believe it has to be something that's been a clear and obvious error before it's stopped mid-game. Um, whereas penalties are always checked, goals are always checked. So penalty shouts are always checked once the ball goes out and same with goals are always, once it's done. So I believe it's a wee bit different. So if a player had been halved, I'm sure the referee at that point can then stop the game when he gets a, a note in his ear for VAR. It takes as long as it takes. I think VAR is getting a really, really tough time at the minute, saying that as if it's a person. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's doing a good job. It's We wouldn't have got that decision otherwise. And then... We'll get on to it later, but then we'd have been in a really sticky situation for that second half if, if it goes 2 1. Whereas we get that goal from the penalty. Sorry if I've spoiled it to anybody, we've not quite got to the, the fact that Tav scores. Um, but it makes it an easier game for us. Whereas last year, we're not getting that penalty, and that for me is where VAR's actually done a really, really good job. Yeah, I think I think it's safe to say people pro- probably know that we did score. Did in fact score the penalty. I thought um, I thought Antonio Cholak was hovering around the penalty spot, like he wanted to he wanted to take it. Um, but I, I, James Tavernier stepped up and found the back of the net, and it was a really well struck penalty. Actually, to be fair, as as well because the goalkeeper went the right way and still couldn't couldn't get near it. Um, so I thought it was, penalty as, as well of the season for Tav. Potentially <laughs> of the season, I think it's his fifty first. <laughs> In total, if you go by what the if you go by the Celtic fan account counters, so I think it's his fifty first um, in a Rangers jersey. So that was really well well struck. Jock Paul McGarrigo says Stonewaller. Cubby Cubster says yeah, it's a penalty. Var spotted it. Stonewaller for you. Initially, I, I didn't. I thought it was a quite harsh actually because when you see it, at, you know at full speed, it looks harsh. Um, and then whenever they were doing the VAR check, you're only getting the one angle. And the one angle, I thought, I was like, mm, I don't know. That's, to me, that's a little bit harsh. But then they, they started giving uh, column the other angles. And then I was like, right, okay. I I can see why it was given. Delighted it was given, obviously. And like, like Scott says, last year you don't get those decisions. 
VARs here to make sure that we get those decisions, where it be penalties, red cards, you know, whatever. VAR, VAR, that's what that's what we have VAR for. So it's it's came through for us again. Yeah, it, it did. Um, I'm sure much to the delight of everyone in Glasgow. Um, and uh, yeah, we went into the into the break. Weirdly, after all that, the referee only added one one minute of stoppage time, and I played about thirty seconds of it. I think, which was which was strange, but we're three now up at the, that point, so I'm not really going to going to complain about that one. I've got I've written, literally written half time three 0 Kilmarnock are terrible. Um, <laughs> This is, is basically the note I've written. I think, and I think in the first half we have to give ourselves credit. Like we said at the start, we were up and at it straight from the off. We were playing with pace and we we're playing with appetite, and we were um, our movement was really good as well, both on and off the ball. And we were creating chance after chance. I don't think Kamara could really could really live with us in that first half. My concern, I, I sit beside fellow Podder Kyle, and my concern at halftime was we only tend to put one half of football together um and then i think uh i guess what i was what i was hoping for was that complete performance especially after after last week you're looking for the team to continue to come out and prove prove um that, that they'd learned from last week and they wanted to push on and they can play well as a team together and ideally i was at that stage seen off at half time kamarnock struggling with us you're looking right five we can make it five or six in the second half, make a real statement, um, put last week behind us and, and all push forward together. Scott, were you is that a similar mindset to what to what you were in when you were watching the game? Hundred percent. I was I was thinking let's let's get a let's get a hearts performance out of this. Let's get something like Time Castle. Let's see a full 90 minutes. But as you say, you just know that that's not going to happen when it comes to Rangers, especially at the minute. Um for whatever reason, I don't know if it was a change in Formation, style, tactics from Kelly's point of view, but we looked miles off it that second half. I, I, I'm absolutely positive that Kelly were probably the better team between 46th minute and maybe about the 78th minute, roughly about then. I think that's when we then started to regain a bit of control when just after John Lundstrom came on, we really, really struggled to get going in that second half for whatever reason. Could be down to a combination of you know lack of fitness for players like Lundstrom, and as I mentioned, the, the wee bit of a change in, in tactical style from Kelly, because they seem to be getting a lot more joy down the Barisic side. This, I think they brought on the boy, or if he was already on the pitch, I apologise, but Polworth seemed to be giving him a lot of trouble down that right left hand side. Um, and I saw so it was it was a bit of a worry. Half time, I was saying get the boys on. I was thinking hopefully we've got some younger players on the bench. Had to look at the bench at that point. So it's only Adam Devine. Let's leave it out then. Was hoping we'd somebody like Lowry on. On there, but apparently he's out for another four weeks. Um, but no, I think it's worrying for me, and I don't know if opposition teams come to Ibrooks or when Rangers appear as their next opponent and think they're going to have a good 45 minutes and then we can maybe have a go at them at that point. I don't know if that's maybe a mentality thing from these teams coming here as well, where they think, I let's go out second half and have a go at this mob. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a worry, and that's something that Bill needs to get right might not happen this season, but if if this sort of thing still happening next season, then I think that's when question marks are going to be raised over Michael B and his ability to kind of take this team forward. Yeah, I think I definitely don't think that as a team we have the intimidation factor um, that, that we've seen in other seasons where we have been successful. We definitely don't have that um, against opposition, and I do think when team other teams come to Ibrox, they think if we can keep it tight. 
for the first 50, 60 minutes, they can then have a have a go at us. And um, I think I think today was was emblematic of how successful that could be. Albeit Kilmarnock could concede three goals by that point, and it, it potentially wasn't necessarily as as nerve wracking or as as much of a problem for us today. I think it showed just how much teams can get at us if they play if they play well. I think. I think that, especially the the boy Armstrong that plays down the right hand side for um, Kilmarnock, I think he's a really good, he's a really good player. Albeit he did dive in the in the first half, um, it was a shocker of a dive that one as well. Um, but the, the referee fell for it, so but I do think I would agree with you in terms of teams think they can they can get at us, and and I think teams can get at us as well. So hopefully that's something in the summer that's that's connected. Before we move on to, and I don't have as many Rangers related notes in the second half as I did in the first half. Before we move on, just a thank you very much to Brian for his donation to the to the pods. Very much appreciated, Brian. Um, Jock and Scott must be must be doing well tonight for that one to to come in. Um, and if if you are enjoying the content, please please like the video and uh, subscribe to the channel and you'll get to you'll get notified of, of, of all the content that we have coming up and there's definitely some some very exciting stuff in the pipeline from TII. Um Jock, I think Scott was Scott was right and in, in, in the sense that between the start of the second half and probably I've got 60, 69 minutes, um we Kilmarnock did look like the better team. We were all over the place. We were not making the right decisions. We were taking too long in the ball. We were we were taking risks in areas where you don't want to take risks. Um, got here. Actually, at one minute into the, the second half, I thought Kilmarnock had a decent penalty shout. I don't know. I don't know what what you guys thought of it or if they showed it on on TV. Um, but the um, the ball was played in. Al McGregor spills a shot. Um, the ball is then partially cleared, but it does look like while the ball is almost out of play or maybe already out of play, the ball does. Um, Al McGregor takes the Kilmarnock boy out at the edge of the six-yard box. And from where we were sitting, uh, we quite a few people thought oh, that's going to be a penalty to Kilmarnock when VAR looks at it because Willie Colney pointed to a corner. What was the view of that from from the TV perspective? And, and was it shown or was did they discuss the ball was already out of play, so it couldn't be given or anything along those kind of lines. Um, the the definitely showed it because I remember looking at it and initially I thought, okay, you know, your heart's in your breath. You thought, what's he done? Um, and then when you see it second time round, I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as, as as bad as what it looks. You know, he's jumped. It's not as if he's he's took the player out. It's more like the it's, McGregor's dived and and missed the ball. But the player's already sort of running in towards McGregor anyway. So as much as much as I didn't think it didn't think it was a, a strong penalty shout for them. To be fair, um, but my first my, my first note second half is a sloppy start to the second half, and that's that like you say that's that's maybe two or two minutes into it. You know the, the first start bit of passing that we were trying to do was just not working. It was going astray, and you can just see. This is starting to creep in here, uh, and then you know, uh, Kelly get the the free kick uh, for the goal, which I didn't think was a free kick initially because I thought Kent actually won the ball and the commander player made the meal of it. I thought it was down to that linesman at that side because Willie Collum didn't actually initially blow for the foul. It was a linesman that flagged for it. So uh, straight from that, I was like, this this second half is going to be it's going to be murder. Yeah. 
Um, Paul McGarrigal here says, not a pen player looks at McGregor and then falls over. So that kind of, that's uh, probably how how most people react when they look at Alan McGregor. But um, but I think that kind of suggests to me that it's not a penalty and uh, thankfully it wasn't given anyway. Um, before we go on to the Kilmarnock goal, I know you mentioned it there, Jock. Scott, I think one of the players that really disappointed, not really disappointed me, one of the players that fell below what I expected in the second half was Nicholas Raskin. Um, I felt in the first half that he was he was good, he was positive, he was combative. You can see the, that he likes to get to be physical in, the, in challenges in the first half and he was combating what Kilmarnock usually utilised to cause us issues in that midfield, especially up against um, Power, who who we know likes to kick us up and down the park most times we play Kilmarnock. But I thought he started the second half really poorly. It didn't really pick up before his, his substitution. What did you make of Nicholas Raskin today? First half, I thought he was absolutely excellent. He drove us forward. He looked so composed on the ball, taking the ball in tight areas. Um, everything was geared towards progressing Rangers up the pitch and getting us moving. It was none of this sideways, lay it off to somebody else and let them do some work. Everything was looking forward for him, and I just thought he was brilliant. Second half, as you say, though, he just he just looked a shadow of himself. and I, I don't know if it was a number of different things that got to him. I mean, you're potentially looking at, is this why Bill didn't start him in the League Cup final? Is he only good for 45 minutes at the minute? Is that is that where Nico Raskin's fitness is? Because he's not played a lot of minutes at, at standard age this season. Um, but as well, they just started to be a lot more bitty in that midfield. They started getting closer to him and getting more challenges in. There was one instance where Nico Raskin runs between two players, gets the ball, fires it forward to one of our players, but as he goes to pass the ball, he follows through and catches one of the Kelly players as well, and he gets a free kick given against him. He started to seem a lot more frustrated as well. So maybe his head went a wee bit. Maybe it was a combination of that and the stamina issue, but he just struggled to get into that second half. And I never thought I'd say this after the weekend. We looked a much better team when John Lundstrom came back onto the pitch. Um, and I think if that's going to be John Lundstrom's role for the, to now at the end of the season, he comes on and replaces Nico Raskin after 45, 60 minutes. Go for it. Let's do it. But... Nico Raskin still, for me, he showed in that first half what he's capable of. And I'm trying to make sure I keep it PG. It's no, it's pre-watershed, isn't it? I'm very excited for, for what Nico Raskin's going to bring for the rest of the season and next season. Yeah, I dread to think what your actual wording was going to be there, to be honest. So um, thank God it's pre-watershed. Um, so Curry Muncher says he ran, himself, uh, he ran himself talking about Nico Raskin it ragged in the first half. Can't blame him for Bill waiting too long to make the sub. I don't I wouldn't. Ex- I would expect a professional footballer, especially one who plays in central midfield, to be able to to keep going for longer than forty five minutes. If I'm honest, and um, I did think he had he was doing particularly well in the first half, but the second half completely completely dropped off a cliff. And he wasn't the only player, to be honest, that that, that fell into that category. We had, we got a warning on fifty three minutes. Uh, the, I think it was Armstrong that that fizzed the ball across. The six-yard box. It looked like it could have been a tap-in for more than one Kilmarnock player, but the boy hits into into the side netting. We got a let off. I was busy typing that the uh, the first fifty minutes they said they've been poor. We've dropped levels. And then I saw the ball land in in our in our net with Kilmarnock's goal. So I I have not seen how Kilmarnock scored that goal. I know it came from the free kick, but other than that, I am none the wiser. I've seen some comments saying um, that. 
the the player that scored was was all over Connor Goldson. Um, what were your views of of the goal, Jock? I so it's the second it's the second phase of the free kick, isn't it? All right, it's in that Scott. The ball comes in and there's a second phase. Like there's the first one, it's sort of flicked on, and then McGregor comes out to try and punch it. Doesn't get anywhere near it, and it's oh. the commander player just gets there first, and it just goes into the empty net. Um, like I say, the, to me, I didn't think it was a free kick, but it was given anyway. Um, and it's the same, it's a secondary phase. I don't know if that's what catches Connor Goldson off guard and allows the, the Kelly player to, to sort of, like you say, scramble sort of over the top of him. I, to me, I think McGregor thinks he's getting a free kick before he sort of re, he's sort of re, reacting to it. So I think McGregor thinks the free kick is going to go his way because it looked. He because he just doesn't he just doesn't make a decent attempt for it. He's almost like he's underneath it when he's trying to sort of punch it. And I and I think McGregor's seen it late. Thinks the free kick's coming and sort of reacts late. That's why it's like a poor attempt from him because I think he thinks the free kick's coming before before the ball hits in it, and it, it never came. The goal was given because even I think the, the you know the TV comms were saying that they thought there was a free kick coming for it. Yeah, I think Scott. When I when I looked at the, I saw the ball land in the net, and I looked at the team. It actually looked like before the ball even landed over the line, the team had stopped playing. Yeah. It was almost like they they were expecting a foul to be given as well. Um, Paul McGarrigo there saying their goal shouldn't have stood. Kelly player climbing over Goldson for the header. VAR um, not looked at a foul leading to a goal. What um, what did you make of of the Kilmarnock goal? And I guess. One is one thing saying it should have been a foul, but how could we as a team have have defended it better? That's that's the issue. I'm 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 one of these guys. I think physicality in football is a thing, and we should allow it. Um, at the end of the day, see if you're going to climb over a defender, it just means you've got the better of them physically, in my opinion. Um, but he, he stopped Goldson for challenging for the ball. So, for one point of view, I'm quite happy for that to happen if that's going to be how we do it. But like you say, it then stops us from being able to defend it. Goldson can't jump. The guy literally has his hands on his shoulders. He's jumping, so all of his weight's going down on Goldson. It's mad. Um, they deserved a fantastic time. And as Ross said, they deserved to go at the time. Um, they were much the better team. They should have scored, as you say, a few minutes before with that ball fizzed across to Danny Armstrong. Um, but I don't think really realistically there's any way we could do any better. It's a second phase goal, um, just as Jock's saying. And it comes from an instance where probably under today's laws it is a free kick to us. But, I mean, do we expect any less for Willie Collum? Yeah, I'll leave that question out in the ether without an answer for me. Um, and everyone can make their own judgment on that one. Um, Jock, there was huge frustration in the stands, uh, at the drop-off in quality and the lack of control over the game. We weren't seeing any fluency and there was careless passing. thought it was really interesting that that frustration was was coming out when we were three 0 up at half time, and by all accounts, we weren't playing well. But it was still three one at that stage. Were you were you feeling something similar watching the game? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, see the drop off from from Raskin. Uh, you know, I think he's the one that sort of I'm sort of singling out here because um, his performance in the first half was fantastic. And to go from what he was doing to basically doing nothing, and I thought Kent as well. Kent was another one. He dropped off massively. He was giving the ball away. They were, they were trying to play passes in the dangerous areas, and they were just getting mopped up. And then Kamara were bombing forward, and then it meant that the defense was having to work more. Um, 
Aye, frustration was coming across definitely um, from the stands and definitely for, for the folks sitting that were watching it elsewhere. Yeah, I, th- I think I was I was not surprised because I know there's a lot of frustration that has been built up, especially over the last seven days or so. But just when a game when you're three one ahead for it to come out in that in that manner and that um, to be that widespread, I think was very interesting. Uh, um, was an interesting insight into the mindset that the Rangers fans have at the moment and the frustration that that they that they're feeling. Um, just at that point, 71 minutes, John Lundstrom came on for Nico Raskin and um, like Scott said earlier, it just kind of settled everyone down. It kind of made the game a bit boring because he was just going backwards and sideways all the time, but it just it maintained control for us, which I think is something that we did need at that point. Um, Jock, you mentioned Ryan Kent um, kind of dropping off in the early stages. I thought actually once Lundstrom came on, Ryan Kent performed better. Um, which I thought was which I thought was interesting. Um, Seventy four minutes, he picked up the ball in the halfway line and drove towards the heart of Kelly defence. I've written broke down, brought down with a strong challenge thirty yards out. I think strong challenge has been kind. Um, he then eighty one minutes. Ryan Kent had a ball into Cholak. We spoke about Cholak's chance earlier on, where he he, he uh, headed the ball down at the feet of the goalkeeper, and it was a really good save from the goalkeeper actually and I thought Cholak deserved deserved that goal. Um we were create we were starting to create a wee bit more chances at that point. I don't know if Kelly had, had tired or I don't know if if we just settled down as a team a wee bit at that stage and and, and decided let's keep it simple. Um Scott, what did you make of the last sort of fifteen minutes or so? We did create a few more chances and Ultimately, I was disappointed not to have added to the, the goal tally in the second half. I think it's, albeit we won three one. I don't think I, I don't think it's um, right that we didn't add to the. We didn't find a fourth goal at least. Albeit Ryan Jack had one ruled out, and he was, but he was offside. Yeah, I think in that sort of fifteen twelve minutes, whatever the period was after Lundstrom came on, we looked a lot better. We had a lot more chances to get forward we kept a better control of the game but like you say it was just a bit bit shoddy really it was it was just as if we were doing the bare minimum to get through the rest of that game um didn't he look fantastic I agree Kent that that chance you're talking about takes it brilliant on the half turn rolls I think Alan Power Alan Power has a boot at Kent and then he goes on and gets taken out after that the other boy gets booked by Alan Power doesn't he I've got Alan Power in my coupon to get booked as well so I'm absolutely raging with that um so I can't, as you say, started looking a lot, lot better um, at that point. But I think, as Curry Munch has, has put it, it was in the, the, the wrong parts of the park. It was in the wrong areas of the pitch. First half especially, he seems to be playing on Barisic's toes at points and um, playing really, really deep. Um, I just think for that last 10, 15 minutes, that's for the players who are coming on to really show that they're here to change the game, that they can be starters, that they can make a difference in the team. They didn't they? Morelos came on, he just looked like he was there for his appearance fee, if he still gets one of those. Lundstrom, as you say, passed it left and right, didn't he look very progressive, unlike Raskin did in the first half. We should have done more in that period. Tomarnock looked like they'd tired themselves out. Um, and it's a worry. Um, Caroline, I think, put it across earlier in the, in the comments when she was saying that Beal makes his changes a bit too late in the game, and I think that's, that's probably correct. 
um, and in today's showing, if I'm totally honest, we should have changed it earlier. That might have given us more of a chance to get a few more goals later on in the game. But, you know, I think with the balance of play, 3-1, how it tempered out, I think that's probably a fair reflection on the on the result, if I'm totally honest. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and we'll come on to, that was going to be the next point, just talking about the, the timing of the substitutions and the changes. Um, I, for one, was expecting, especially when we're, 3-1 up with 20 minutes to go. I was expecting to see Hadji come on and get some, some minutes in his legs. I was expecting probably to see John Suter, if I'm being honest, come on at that, that stage as well. Um, probably around the time John Lundstrom came on was when I was expecting probably a triple substitution. Um, Jock, some of the comments have said, uh, Carolyn here, for example, saying, I just wish Michael Beale would make changes a wee bit sooner. Nicholas Moore said uh, there's a small niggle in the mind around uh, Beal now. Um, he also goes on to say, agree, Caroline, the subs at the end of the game today, pointless. Ofer Hill says, always seems to leave subs too long. What do you make of that that strategy? I did think that the, the triple substitution in the 91st minute was extremely strange today. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. I don't know if he just wanted to... To, for some players to get their, their round of applause as such or whatever, but the triple substitution at that stage of the game felt really strange. But as a wider topic of discussion, what do you make of of Michael Beale's management of substitutions within games? Um, I, th- I think, like you say today, I think the, the, the triple one at the end is a bit, it's a bit silly. I think you, those guys need minutes on their legs. They need to be need to get as much game time as we can. Sitting at three one. Why is Hadji not given 20 minutes to try and influence the game more? Um, so, so Lundstrom come on, we did seem to look more settled. So if that settles, if the team gets settled around them, they make the changes, bring other people in, give them a chance. I know we don't want to talk about last week, but that, those, those changes should have came early last week as well, and it, it delayed and delayed, and that ultimately, I think, costs cost us a game last weekend. Previous games to that, he has made changes late on, um, but he's been he's had to make change. I think we're, I'm going to go back here, back early, and 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 what we're talking about here. But it's a game of two halves. We either have one good half, and then we one bad half. Before this, it was the bad half was always the first half, and he's made changes in the second half. We've kicked on with one games. Look at the early start he's had during his career. Um, head scheme uh Aberdeen away you know I still think he's just I just think he knows what his strongest team is yet and I think that's this is impacting on his substitution choice I think that that makes sense you know he's he's still tinkering too much and he's leaving it too late to tinker with what what he's got on the pitch I think I think he needs to um he needs to I don't know if he's got if he's got loyalty towards players T- t- comes across as though he doesn't want to hurt anybody's feeling, but you need to be sharp and you need to go, you know, you need to make this Rangers team your own. And if you want to do that, you need to try and suss out who's going to fight for you, who's going to put in the performance consistently for you. And I think this is where he's struggling with his subs, he's leaving it too late, he's not giving folk the amount of game time to make his mind up for him. If that makes sense, I'm in yeah. <laughs> No, it, it does make sense, and I think. I think it's an interesting point. So, Scott, I want to come to you with with one of the points that the Jock came came up with there, and the second point. So, the first first one is: Do you 
do you think Michael Beale is still searching for his, his starting lineup that, that fits the system he wants to? Or do you think actually by this stage, and albeit we've we've won, I think, what is it now, 14 wins, one draw, one defeat in his, in his 16 games since he, since he came in, do you think he's still searching for it, even though we have been getting the results? And secondly, I just wanted to touch on the the second half performance overall. I want we we spoke before about the fact that we are nowhere near ruthless enough as a team, and this the the team across the city would have would have went on and steamrolled in the second half as well. Do you think that just highlights sort of the ongoing issues we have with mentality within this team at the moment? I don't think Queen's Park would have went on and steamrolled them, if I'm honest. Um, but no, I think to, to go to the first point. Um, it's interesting because as you were saying that, Jock, I actually had a thought in my head of maybe why is why is Bill waiting so long? What is the issue there? And I'm, you know, you try and almost put yourself in in their position, thinking what would I do differently? I think Rangers is probably a unique job in a lot of football um, where Bill needs results, but he also needs to be preparing for next season. So in my head, I'm thinking maybe Bill doesn't want to play. Ryan Jack, for example, okay, I'm just going to throw him out there. I don't know why it's him. Maybe Bill doesn't want to play Ryan Jack, but he knows that he needs to play Ryan Jack, for example, to get these results. Bill's he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. We cannot throw this season out the window. We need to finish second. We need to make the Scottish Cup final, even though we all know a massive rebuild needs done in the summer. We know these players aren't good enough, yet Bill needs, still needs to meet expectations. So I think he's. it's really, really, really difficult for him to say, oh, I'm just going to throw these guys on right now because he doesn't trust them to do what he needs them to do. At the end of the day, I think I think Bill probably doesn't trust Alfredo Morelos right now, especially after his, his wee kick out of the weekend, last weekend. I would have done the same if I was Morelos. He'd just scored, taking him off. But that's what I'm thinking in my head is, is probably coming to the forefront. Bill's thinking, I need to see these games out. I need to win games. Style has to come second over substance at the minute. We need to just get the results and grind them out. And unfortunately, that means we're not going to get the substitutions. Games might look a little bit shoddy at times, and it's a shame. In terms of it's being ruthless, we've not been ruthless for a long, long time. I think even in the even in the 55 season, I don't think we're very ruthless as a team. Um, we're not a team that, that kills games off. We always seem to be this team that everybody's thinking, there's a last-minute goal run against them if, if, if it's sitting at 1-0. If, if we're winning 2-0 at half-time, teams will think, get an early goal and then you know, try and mess it up towards the end of the game. We don't. We have a severe mentality issue throughout the team, and I think that's very, very evident from this season, from the season before. 55 season seems to be an outlier. There's a mentality issue. Um, and whoever the mentality guy we got in after the Celtic game is, he needs shot and we need somebody else to come and do it because it's, it's obviously not working. Um and I think that there is probably indicative of the needs for big change. And I'm I'm very interested to see how big and how wide scale that change is going to be going into the summer. Is it going to be a total clear out? Are we going to see a new right back, for example, um, that comes into the squad? Because I just think there's there's a severe issue of rot setting in amongst this team. And it's maybe a few of them are starting to like overstay their welcome. Yeah, Jock, just before we move on to get sort of man of the match. Um, and, and round up, Carolyn comes in and says our mentality is so weak. I guess t- today's wasn't the the start of of seeing that. It was more just a continuation of stuff of stuff that we've seen so far this season. What's your thoughts on the mentality side of things? The mentality side of things is 
again, it's a frustration thing because if you look at our performances in the Europe, Europe League last year, really last sort of three or four seasons, it's night and day to compare to to where to where we're at in the league. We can't get the consistency right for the mentality for the league, and that's cost us the league. Um, the old season Gerard left last season, Gerard left, and then came in. We should have won that league that year. But the mentality of the players, you know, in certain games, not strong enough, not be able to see it out. Last minute goals cost us points, silly draws. And this is the same core players that have been at the club now for far too long. And I totally agree with what Scott says. They've overstayed their welcome. Now, that's up to the board to accept transfer fees for these players or keep the player turnaround flowing, you know, every three or four year cycle. A lot of these players here now have been here for four years plus and it's going to get stale. And I think it's been stale for, I'd say, two seasons now with the same players. There's a lot of players in that team know that they're, they're, they're starting because there's nobody else there to take their place off them. And it's something that's cost us. And I think it's going to cost us this season again. Yeah, I'll just I'll finish that point off with Finn Fogel's comment there. If players can't motivate themselves at a club like Rangers, they're at the wrong club. And I think that's the battle that's ongoing at the moment between what fans are expecting from players and what the players are delivering. And I think that pretty much sums up sums up that point. Um, at the game, interestingly called player of the match now instead of man of the match, but player of the match was uh, listed as Ben Davies which I think is always an, an interesting one from when the sponsors get to choose it. I don't know if they gave it to the same person on on Rangers TV, but I think um, I think there were three potential options for me, but one stood out more than, than others. The the other two potential options I had were Antonio Cholak, so I don't think he had a particularly good game, and Ben Davies I thought was was solid, and his passing was really, really good, and he was, he was fizzing the ball into... To to um to the strikers and and such uh, that was that we don't normally see from the defenders, which I think was really positive in terms of moving us forward. But for me, man of the match was Todd Cantwell. Um, I thought his passing, his movement, his work rate, especially in defence, the amount the the amount of times he won back possession before the the the, the, the play even reached the halfway line was was incredible. And I think um I think you can see just how important a, a um. A player, I was going to say Antonio Cho, how important a player Todd Cantwell can be for us moving forward as we see him get get up to speed. Scott, what was your thought on on man of the match? Um, so I had a debate with us about, uh, about man of the match with some of my pals. I actually probably agree with Ben Davies being man of the match. I thought Ben Davies was absolutely excellent in defence today, and I know a lot of people will put it at the point where we conceded a goal. Wasn't it Ben Davies' fault that we conceded a goal? It came for the second phase of play, as we said. There was other chances for Kelly to score, absolutely sure. But see, every time the ball got played in behind and Connor Goldson either missed the ball or was too hard up the pitch, it's Ben Davies coming in and, and, and playing as a sort of sweeper in that back two between the two of them. I thought Ben Davies was sublime today. And his ability to play the ball through the lines from a defence is brilliant. It's not always the long diagonal that Goldson plays. It's not the ball to Tav or to Bond every single time. He'll just play it to the midfielder and let them turn in space. He's very, very good at just keeping things simple. And I don't think he's getting enough praise for how good 
he really is. Having said that, I agree with Cantwell as man of the match as well. I thought Cantwell was absolutely brilliant. Um, I had doubts over whether Cantwell would be good enough to play, because I know he can play both in the forward line and in the midfield line. I had doubts as to whether he could play that eight role. But based on today's showing, he definitely could. He was picking up those pockets that you usually see players like Jack and Kamara, etc. all pick up when we were defending. And he was coming wide a lot to cover Tav and support him. And he's tackling ability. It's just his ability to read the game. He knows when he can go in and try and intercept the ball from a player. Um, I, I thought he was very, very good today. So for me, it was it was a toss-up between the two. And I think Rangers TV gave it to Cantwell. And as you say, the sponsors gave player of the match, as it is now, to Ben Davies. Um, I think that's a fair assessment. If Nico Raskin had kept up his first half performance, though, it was an absolute shoe in for man of the match for me. It's just a shame he fell away. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Paul McGarrigal just highlights what he just said. So, sponsors man of the match was Davies at the game. Rangers TV had Cantwell. Ian McPhee says, is a bit shocked by your choice there, Scott. Uh, says Cantwell is far superior. Ophra Hill says Cantwell without a doubt. Jock, what were your thoughts? Um, to agree with, can I really say any more than what Scott said? Um, I had Raskin for man of the match at half time because he was fantastic. He was everything that we were going forward. Um, and then until obviously the second half fall off, I thought he was a shoe in for it. Uh, ben Davies, fantastic again. Does does the basics, keeps it keeps it tidy, but he plays those wee nice passes that just gets things going, starts moves. Uh, it gets the pushes pushes us further up the park, um, but Cantwell, I thought overall today, I thought Cantwell was brilliant. Simple again, keeping things simple, starting moves, doing the defensive work, dropping in. Uh, did a couple of chances, he was unlucky. We won, um, just just to hit it over the bar, um, but he created a lot. And there was one point, um, he was bombing forward the second half, and they had Sakal on his right. And I was like, I said, don't pass it to him. Don't pass it to him. Go yourself. And he did. And we end. I think we got a corner out of it because I was like, you just don't know what Sakal is going to do. But he's going to kill the move. Take it on yourself because the Sakal was for running onto it. But Cantwell, I don't know if he shot it or whatever he did, but Cantwell took it on himself. So um, I'm really excited with this with this guy. I think he's going to be a superstar for us. I really do. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. I think. Um... Todd Cantwell is going to have a huge role to play um, next season, and if we can start to build the team around sort of a, a back, a back uh, central defensive partnership of Goldson and Davies, have Raskin and Cantwell as two of the, two of the midfield three, and um, and then I think that the, the front line is up for up for debate as to whether any of them sh- should be should be targeted for staying. I know some people are keen for Ryan Kent to to sign a new deal, some people not so much. Same with Alfredo Morelos, so it'll be interesting to see how, how that plays out. But if you've got Connor Goldson, Ben Davies, with Nico Raskin and, and Todd Campbell in front of them, you start to see the makings of of, of, a, of a team that, that could come together really well. And it's just about what's added to that now in the summer to, to make sure that we can challenge at the level that we all want Rangers to and that we all expect Rangers to. Right, we're just over the hour mark, so we'll, we'll close off the um, the live match reaction to Rangers 3, Kilmarnock 1 there. Jock, thanks very much for joining us. No, thank you. It was a pleasure, guys. And Scott, same to yourself. Thanks very much. Appreciate it, guys.
Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. As I said, they were on the podcast. If you have enjoyed the content, please remember to drop us a like on the video and also subscribe to the TII YouTube channel. We're fast closing in on 5,000 subscribers and we are very much looking forward to surpassing that milestone. In terms of what we've got coming up, We'll have uh, Scott Patterson in the host chair tomorrow night, Sunday night at 8pm live on YouTube and Facebook. Um, we will be returning, or I'll be here um, on Monday night with our live Monday bulletin. And watch out for something that's really exciting coming out on the TII YouTube channel on Monday morning. I can guarantee it's an exclusive interview that you will not want to miss. Um, so make sure you keep an eye on that and, and hit that subscribe button, like I say, so you get notified when it goes live. Thanks very much, everyone. And until next time, goodbye.